Affirmation of Faith is the Apostles' Creed on page 881. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered in the Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of life, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated. This time we'd like to invite the children to come forward to join um, Harriet Johnson for a few moments of sharing. you can do for your mothers or grandmothers or aunts um, to let them know they're special today or any day? What other things can you do? You can... You can help them clean up. Alright, you can help them clean up. But you can give a hug, maybe, <coughs> or a kiss. It's nice to have a special day on the calendar to remind us to say thank you or I love you. But do we really need a day on the calendar? Do we need reminders? Should we wait for those reminders? No, no. There are lots of ways that we can show that we love someone else. And God, um, wants us to do that. Jesus teaches us to love each other as God loves us every day. And not just our families, but everyone. Now, I have here in the basket a note, piece of note paper. And what I'd like for you to do is write notes to someone. It can be mom, it can be grandmother, it can be an aunt, it can be a teacher, a friend, it could even be dads, granddads. But let them know how you feel about them and all the good things they do for you. You can write four different notes. On this one I wrote, God loves you and so do I. Have a wonderful day. So I'll tuck it into somebody's handbag or in the lunchbox or some way to let them know that. So each of you will have a note to write, or the, the ability here to write a note. And then Miss Candy sent some carnations from this morning's service, and you can take one of those to give to somebody that you want to let know how special they are. And not just on Mother's Day, but other days of the year, week, month. Let's pray together. Thank you, dear God, for loving us Help us to let others know that they are loved. Amen.
want to thank um, George Strait for covering for me last Sunday so that um, I could fly out of here on Saturday morning and go join Penny and our daughter up at our son's and daughter-in-law's place to be introduced to uh, a mighty attractive little girl named Holt, uh, little, little Audrey. Um, there's an email going all over the conference that I sent to our district secretary. I said that the baby was beautiful just like her grandpa, uh, but she's much prettier than that. Uh, but thank you for allowing us that wonderful experience. Before we left on Sunday to start our drive back down here, uh, my son told us, he said, well, I gave her a bath a few minutes ago, and I cut all the name tags from the hospital off of her, so now that I've removed the tags, I'm, that means I can't take her back. <laughs> so I uh, guess that's true. We are so thankful and blessed. From the Old Testament, our reading this morning is uh, from Exodus 20, part of the Ten Commandments, verses 4 through 6 of chapter 20. You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Here ends the lesson. This time we're privileged to share in the sacrament of uh, baptism for Haddon Lee Davis, daughter of Kyle and Cindy Davis, sister of Cale, uh, we invite you to come forward and any other members of the family that would like to also be here to stand with them are invited to come to stand here as well. Now they're going to call this beautiful girl Hattie, which I guess means that you are the Hattie Daddy. That's right. Okay. <laughs> you like that. I see that you do. Okay. I invite you to turn to page 44 in your hymnal and be ready to take your pledge of uh, responsibility uh, for Hattie. Dearly beloved, baptism is the outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through which grace we become partakers of his righteousness and heirs of life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples and initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. Our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God, which holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Beloved, do you, in presenting this child for holy baptism, confess your faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If so, will you say we do? Do you therefore accept as your bounden duty and privilege to live before this child a life that becomes the gospel, to exercise all godly care, that she be brought up in the Christian faith, that she be taught the holy scriptures, and that she learn to give reverent attendance upon the private and public worship of God? If so, will you say, we do? Will you endeavor to keep this child under the ministry and guidance of the church until she, by the power of God, shall accept for herself the gift of salvation and be confirmed as a full and responsible member of Christ's holy church? If so, will you say, we will? What name is given this child? Supremely in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord. 
Happened to an older child one time, and the older child said he had bad breath. So I, <laughs> but she's okay now. Good. Our epistle reading is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God that the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we will be like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together for a time of prayer. Lord, we are thankful that you have given us life. You created us in your image, and yet it took male and female, mother and father, to begin to approach the depth of love that you have residing in your heart for your children. By yourself, you gave life to all that is, and you gave to your creation creative powers that we might share with you in creation to pass on to future generations gifts of life from God through us. We marvel at this. We thank you for calling us to be participants with you and the continuing creation that is ongoing here on earth. And we pray that we would be mindful always that all of us are your children and that as the scripture has instructed us, as we say we love God, we are also to find ways to love our brothers and sisters. We see a world so fractured that that seems impossible, but a lot of things have seemed impossible to us before. And we find that with God, all things are possible. So we pray that we who say we love you might also learn to love your other children, our brothers and sisters around this world. And we give you thanks for the gift of motherhood this day. We are grateful that we enter this world in the care of a maternal influence who loves us tenderly, who sees that we are warm and dry and well-fed, who by her example tells us something about life and love and the great love that is coming to us from God, our Heavenly Father. And we pray your blessings upon all that are here this day who are called mother or grandmother, and we pray especially for those who are having the ongoing task in these days of raising children who are still in the home. We pray for wisdom and guidance for our mothers and fathers that indeed we might be appropriate advisors and guides to your children that you have entrusted into our care. But Father, they are first and foremost your children. Help us to be your instruments of growth. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us in all the times of life. We're grateful for the gifts that you have given us to find healing and health when we're sick, to have doctors and the skill of nurses to help us when we need their help. But we're thankful too for the way you act through prayer to use instruments of peace and healing in our lives. And we pray these forces to be at work today in the lives of people that we love who are not able to be with us this day. We pray these things in the name of Jesus our Lord who taught us to pray saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
tell the Davis family, maybe we've come upon something today with Hattie. When she gets to where she's misbehaving, maybe if you just hold her up and speak softly to her, she'll melt before you, and that's all you'll have to do. Uh, every child is so different. With, uh, with our infant daughter, or when she was a toddler, we just would hold up a little ruler, meaning this might be applied if you don't straighten up, and she'd snap to attention. But John, when I held up a ruler, he looked at me and went and got a plastic baseball bat. <laughs> so we had to start holding him up and putting him in his room and finding other ways of dealing with that because I think he could have whipped me about the time he was three. So. Our uh, gospel reading today is from chapter 2 of Luke, verses 41 through 52. A glimpse at the boyhood of Jesus. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast, according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among the relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. Here ends the lesson. Well, here is a poem that I've known for most of my life because when you hear your father recite this at family gatherings on a regular basis, you memorize it. This is a poem in three acts. Act one, one night in June, stars out, big moon, in park on bench, with girl in clinch, me say me love, she coo like dove. Me smart, me fast, never let chance pass. Get married, me say, she say okay. Act two, wedding bells, ring, ring, honeymoon, everything. Happy now, got wife, settled down, married life. Act three. Another night in June, stars out, big moon. Not happy no more. Got baby, walk floor. Wife mad, she fuss. Me mad, me cuss. Me realize at last, me too blame fast. End of poem. Well, you see, you folks got cheated by not knowing my father, but you can rest assured that the nut didn't fall too far away from the tree. Today we honor our fathers, I mean our mothers and fathers, but our mothers especially, and remember the huge debt that we owe to them. But it's also a special day on the church's calendar known as the Festival of the Christian Home. It's a day that emphasizes the great importance of the home for making and forming disciples for Jesus Christ. The church really exists to help us in our homes to raise disciples for Christ. Make no doubt about it, disciples are formed in Christian homes better than they're formed any other place. I am convinced that although we have many opportunities to leave our mark on this world, our best opportunity to shape the distant future is through our homes. Now the concept of families is as old as creation itself. When God made people, he made a couple. 
and established their home as a place where children would be raised. And of course we know that Adam and Eve, Eve began raising Cain. Never mind. <clears throat> but God even put families together uh, in animals. Animals are in families. Both human and animals are raised up in groups of families. And in both cases, the parents pass on to their offspring those lessons that aren't given to, uh, given to us through our instinctive awareness and knowledge. Most of all, families give us our sense of identity, who we are, and what we're supposed to be like as we move out to face the world. In our day, we're apt to see our identities more tied up in our jobs, uh, first and foremost, but it didn't used to be that way. Who you are depended on who your parents were, and your family was your identity. That's how important family life used to be. The year I was ordained as a pastor, 1977, <clears throat> a study was conducted among our denomination's leaders that accurately predicted these things for the years from then until now. They predicted that attitudes towards sex would become increasingly more liberal each year. They predicted that people would fail to make long-term commitments to one another, preferring a let's live for today attitude. They predicted that there would be a consistent decrease in the importance of family life. And fourth, they predicted that the church wouldn't try to do anything about all that. I remember feeling very sad when I read that part about the decrease in the importance of the family because family was so very important to me growing up with cousins and grandparents on both sides of the family. And family was very important to Penny and me when it came our turn to play the parents and have children. And it is still important to us. I think if we all were aware of the fact that we're building the far distant future 200 years from now when we do things in our homes, that perhaps then we would understand just how important our work in the home really is. Virginia Satir, the author of the book People Making, says, others may protest that with all the pressures of daily living, there just isn't time for most people to overhaul their family lives. To them, I would say, we'd better find the time. It's a matter of survival. I consider this our first priority, she continues. And if we don't give our best efforts to developing the family, I see our present social problems growing worse and worse, perhaps ending in extinction for us all. That is how important Dr. Satir considered family life. I used to imagine that my peers and I, as excited as we were as we entered the ministry back in the 70s, we were going to change the world from our preaching. Well, guess what? We didn't. Probably the hardest lesson for us pastors to learn is that not only would we fail in our efforts to bring new people to the church, but there would also be some folks in every congregation that we served who would move away because they decided they don't like us. They'll go to another church. That's a bitter pill to swallow, my friends. Every church that I've been appointed to has received new members and grown, and I'm thankful for that. But every church where I've been appointed has seen people who just didn't like me and left the church to go somewhere else. A pastor's influence upon a church is temporary and fleeting, and when something else happens in the community, like the mill closes down, it doesn't really matter how hard the pastor's worked. His work goes up in smoke and flames. I must confess to you that at the end of my career, I'm not feeling very satisfied about the mark I may or may not have made on the United Methodist Churches of South Carolina, but I feel a lot better about the mark that I made upon Hillary and John Holt. I'm fairly sure that I recently saw the love and patience of my mother. 
living in my son as he was taking care of his infant daughter. That's where my mother shaped the future, in her great-granddaughter. Barry Manilow, the singer, expressed this influence of the home upon our children in a song that he wrote. It was on the B-side of one of his hits, but I loved it. He sang, I am your child. Wherever you go, you take me too. Whatever I know, I learn from you. Whatever I am, you taught me to be. I am your child. And I am your chance. Whatever will be will come from me. The future is won by winning me. I am, I am your child. I am your chance. I am your hope. I am your child. We do have the chance to shape many future generations, and that's what God was telling us in Exodus 20. We do pass our sins as well as our blessings on to our offspring. God graciously limits the damage from our sins to three or four generations, but we also pass our blessings on to thousands of generations of our descendants, God said. Have you ever noticed the things we pass on to our children? We pass on our temper, uh, uh, temperaments to our children. If you and I don't learn how to control our fears and anxieties and angers in ourselves, we really shouldn't be surprised to see those emotions living in our children. When I was in Saluda, I was introduced to a man and after he walked away, someone said, be careful around him, he's the meanest man in town. And I said, really? And someone said, yeah, but you should have known his granddaddy. He was the meanest man in the entire county. It just passed on to his grandson. But I also met some very sweet people whose grandparents were the sweetest, most loving people in our community. Patience and love had been passed down from generation to generation. How wonderful that is. Out in the West, there was a bad earthquake, and some earthquake victims in California sent their son to another community to live with some friends so that they could give themselves to the full job of cleaning up their house. After one week, the friends sent the little boy back to his parents with a note that said, here's your son. Next time, send us the earthquake. <laughs> it's an established fact that children who suffer abuse are more likely than others to grow up to inflict abuse upon their children. Boys who see their fathers hit their wives often grow up to themselves be wife beaters, verbal abusers, and verbal abuse is that beating down of a person's self-esteem with words of harsh judgment. That gives birth to future generation of verbal abusers. Parents who yell and scream at each other shouldn't be surprised to see that trait living on in future generations. It also seems to be proven in our day that alcoholism is a trait that gets passed down from generation to generation. So it's important if this is a problem for you that you fix it before it's passed on. But thank goodness some good things are passed on like the participation in the life of the church is something else we can pass on to our children. Studies also show that when parents uh, don't attend church or bring their children up in the church, only 5% of those children grow up to be church attenders as adults. But on the other hand, 70% of children raised in the church remain active in their church as adults. I am so thankful that somewhere back in my family uh, heritage, some of my ancestors way back made a conscious decision that they were going to be actively involved in the church. And that blessing got passed down from generation to generation and has come to us in my generation. For that I am so very thankful because where would I have been without the involvement and joy of being a part of a church all these years. 
As these facts illustrate, the best thing we can do for our children is to be constantly working upon ourselves, to improve ourselves. For as long as we live, we are completing the task that our parents began, and that is of raising us to be the kind of people we want to be. It's never too late to work on becoming the person that you want to be. And just maybe, if your children see you acknowledging your imperfections, but striving to improve yourself, maybe they will early on assume the responsibility for improving themselves and raising themselves. I will always believe that a child is the one who is ultimately responsible for how they turn out as adults. We parents are long as advisors, but the children have the final vote. Children, assume responsibility to be the kind of person you want to be. How are you going to leave your mark on the world? I honestly believe that Hillary, John, and now Audrey are our most important contributions to a better tomorrow. And your children and grandchildren are your gifts to the future. May God continue to bless our homes. Amen. Thank you.